0: We jump right into the sermon a couple of quick quick notes first on january 12th we're going to have a baptismal service if you have uh, come to christ in the past i know a lot of people in the last couple of months have or if you're, you're new to the church and you've never been baptized before, and you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, and you always want to be baptized, January 12th, just call the church office and let us know that you're interested in that. We'll put you on the list and give you all the information that you need and talk to you about it. And also uh, February the 2nd is membership class. So I know so many of you have been waiting, just waiting to join the church okay? And you're just, when is church membership? I just can't wait to be a part of this church. February the 2nd, after a second service, we're going to have a membership class. Um, we're in this series called Remnant, even if you're the last voice. And I would say that this series it has been a bit challenging for all of us. When we talk about um, our culture and what's going on around us and getting squeezed and squeezed, Told what we can, what we can say, and what we can't say, and it gets more difficult. and And I know it's been a, I know it's been a difficult series. And this morning, I'm going to share with you. Uh, we're we're not we're not going to make it light again. We're we're going to keep going uh, in this series for a couple more weeks, and then we'll go on to another series. But um, I, I I want to make sure that you know that I am extremely passionate about the things I, I'm talking about here uh, this morning and in the past weeks. I'm I'm passionate about them. It matters to me. There's a lot at stake here when it comes to the lives of the people around us. That's what I'm passionate about. I'm not passionate about the political agendas here or there. What I'm passionate about is the Word of God and how people's lives are affected by the way the culture expects us to live and act and talk and and if we continue to go down the road that we're going and, and we, get, we are bought into their narrative, we're in big trouble. And it's not just the church is in trouble, the world is in trouble. People need truth. They need to hear truth. So, this morning I'm going to share some things with you, and I, and I don't, and honestly, I, I don't want to come off uh, uh, aggressive or, or in any way kind of like mean or anything, and that's not, that's not my heart. I dress in some nice colors here, and my pants are lighter. And so, if I don't smile all the way through, it's not that I'm, I'm terribly upset. I'm terribly passionate about what God has put on my heart to share with you. Because this past week has been, last couple weeks, has been very, very interesting to me, and I, I hear this stuff. Said by Christians, like the, we, we talked about this a, f- a couple of months ago, maybe six, seven months ago, uh, where, where people say that God's not g- going to give you more than you can handle. And I, I say to people, Christians especially, show me in the Bible where it says that. And they can't find it because it's not there you know, because they, they misquote verses in the Bible, and then people are confused when, when they, get so much, they get so much in their lives, and they're not able to handle it, and they're, they're crying out to God, and they need people to come around them to support them and encourage them, but they feel guilty because they're overwhelmed. I thought God wasn't going to be more than I can handle. Well, again, chapter and verse, where is that? You're not going to find it, God will be there for us as we struggle through life, as we have the difficulties of life. God promises that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will be there with us, that he's surrounded us by other people who can help us and carry us through difficulties. That's what he's promised. And there's another verse over the past couple of weeks that, that has been leading people astray, if you will. And when, when I hear the world say it, it bugs me. When I hear Christians start saying it, it really bugs me because if we buy into what they're saying, we again are in big trouble and it's not just about us, it's about the people around us that need to hear truth. Over the past few weeks, one particular verse has been thrown around by people um, who seem sincere, I'm I'm not going to judge the sincerity of they just, they just think they're making it up or something, but they seem sincere, but they're totally misinformed, and they're totally mistaken. It is the most misquoted verse in the Bible, and it is Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, and it says this, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Too often I hear misled Christians, in the past few months I've heard it, say things like, well, I don't want to judge anyone. I don't judge anyone because Jesus said it was wrong. Right there in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said it was wrong, so I don't want to, want to judge anyone. And that, that hurts my heart. And I find it even more illogical and hypocritical, though, when you hear it from those who either deny God or ignore him. They don't, they don't care anything about God. They don't have any heart for God um, criticizing constantly those who would worship him. But then the one verse they seem to know in the Bible is judge not lest ye be judged. And they love to throw that around, um, not, not understanding at all what it means. The problem is that we are sometimes so biblically um, uninformed ourselves as Christians that people say it enough and all of a sudden Christians are like, well, I don't want to judge either because Jesus said. And that really is what got me to the point um, were during the series i knew i wanted to talk about this particular subject ironically those who who um, yell the loudest about not judging are the people who judge the most is it, am i not right here the people who scream the loudest about not judging other people are the ones passing judgment the most one of the things i've taught you over the past few years is to be skeptical of verses that seem to contradict other verses in the bible i say seem to because matthew chapter 7 does not contradict any of the verses i'm going to share with you but you have to be skeptical when you when you use your 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 biblical mind when you use your logic when you use your reason and someone says something you have to think it through just a little bit and say wait that doesn't go along with other things i've read in the bible and it doesn't really ring true in life either let me share a couple other verses and this is just a few there are so many i can't share them all this morning that talk about judging in the bible in psalm 119 13 it says with my lips i have declared all the judgments of thy mouth in proverbs 31 verse 9. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. In Psalm 37, in verse 30, it says, With the mouths, of the, righteous, the, the mouths of the righteous utter wisdom, and their tongues speak what is just. In the King James Version, it says this, Tongues talketh of judgment. In Luke chapter 7, in verse 43, it's, it, Jesus commended Simon. He's saying, You have judged correctly. In Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse two, "Son of man, will you judge her? Will you judge this city of bloodshed? Then confront her with all of her detestable practices." In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, "The people with the spirit, the people with the spirit, make judgment about all things." but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. What that basically means is a person who does not have the Holy Spirit living them, in them does, is not qualified to judge someone who has the Spirit of God living in them. That's exactly what it means. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 is clear. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world, and if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Those are just a few verses, okay, that talk about judging in the Bible. Now, God is the ultimate judge. No one's one's confused about that, but he calls us to judge using his word. He calls us to judge using the word of God. Now, here is what judgment means according according to Webster's Dictionary. It says, to discern, to distinguish, to form an opinion, to compare facts or ideas and perceive their agreement or disagreement, and thus to distinguish truth from falsehood. Listen, guys, we make judgments all the time. We say, he is a good man. We are making a judgment. He is a good man. She is so much better at that sport than I am. That's a judgment. It's just as much we're we're, we're forming an opinion. It's just as much a judgment as when we say that murderer or that thief did something wrong. We are passing judgment. We are, we are discerning. We are making judgments in our own hearts. See, in both cases... What we're doing is we're forming an opinion. We're saying, this person, I believe this person is good based upon what I know of them. I believe this person who murdered this person is, did the wrong thing. They were wrong. They sinned. They did something that was not according to God's word. You're making a judgment. You're formulating a judgment in your mind and you're passing that judgment. I mean, think about it. If we're not allowed to judge, then there'll be no justice I want you to use, I want you to honestly use your logical and rational mind this morning because the people throw that out, judge not, lest ye be judged, you shouldn't judge anyone else, no one should judge, we should all just, number one, first and foremost, the people who say that do the most judging. First, let's be honest, okay? Number two, if we can't judge, there is no justice in the world. Use your logic and reason once again. If you shouldn't judge, then why do we have prisons, why don't we just let all of the murderers and the, and the serial killers and the drug dealers and the rapists and, and, and all these other people, let, just, let them, just let them out. And then let's just put them to work in the local preschool. Right? Let them all out. Let everybody out. Come on. Don't judge. It's ridiculous. You judge judgmental people. And then let's let them all out and let them work in the local preschool. Now, some people sit here and go, that's just nuts. See, you're going overboard. That's the kind of thing we can't do is go overboard. Wait a second. Wait a second are you judging me? <laughs> you can't. Who are, who are you to judge those people and tell them they can't work at the preschool? I want you to think about this as well. If you can't judge, if I'm not allowed to judge and you're not allowed to judge, we can't use any kind of judgment or anything like that, then you can't discipline your children. You can't discipline your children. You can't tell your child that stealing is wrong and that hurting another child who's weaker than they are or any child is wrong or, or that, that, uh, that being dis, dis, dishonest and disrespectful, whatever, whatever you want to use, you can't tell your child that that's wrong. You can't discipline your child. February, the Olympics are coming on. Guess what? If you can't judge, guess what? No Olympics which, you know, those Russian judges always cheat, and it drives me crazy, and, and, but here's the thing, they always, you know, if your, your favorite person comes down, they tumble, and they land, it's like everyone's, and we're all judging, right, we're all, oh, that was person, he was much better than that Korean person, or that person over there, or the, or the person from China, or the person from here, the American person was not as good as the person from whatever, we're all making judgments, right, that's okay, we're, but we wouldn't have the Olympics if you couldn't judge, because they get, everyone should get a 10, right, they all, they all did a great job, and I'm not talking about, you know, everyone gets a prize, but we, we, we're not allowed to judge. So if you can't judge, then we should get rid of many of the sports, especially the Olympics. They should, now, I know a lot of you, you I need an amen from those still in school, but they shouldn't grade you in school. I mean, who is that teacher to tell you that that, that essay that you put in is not, is not good? A B, take that red pen, and put it aside, lady, everything I said. Why, who are you to judge me? Right? And any of you, any of us, should we should just apply to Harvard, Yale, or any other school that we want to get into, and they should just accept us because we send all that paperwork in, right? You lay it all out. You give them your whole life history, and what do they do? Hmm. hmm. They judge you. What I would do, the next school, the next university that turns you down, I would just write them a letter and call them a hater. You are such a, you hate me, <laughs> right? Because who, who, who is that university not to let you? I mean, come on, you. Who are they not to let you in, right? How dare they use judgment and tell you that you should not be a part of that school? If I start standing up here on Sunday mornings and lying to you, you should just go along with me because discerning is the same thing as judging. So even if you discern what I'm saying not to be true, then keep, who are you to judge? Who are you? Ju- judge not lest ye be you. Who are you to judge me? And, and you should leave your children, my friends, you should leave your children with anyone who wants to babysit them. Person says, I would love to babysit your children. And you're like, oh man, it's kind of scary, dude. Don't do a background check. Why would you do a background check? Are you trying to judge the person to see if they're, if they're the kind of person who should be watching your child? And then when the worst happens, don't get upset. Thou shalt not judge Who are you to tell that person how to behave with anyone? Who are you to tell them how to behave in those situations? Because, of course, you can't judge their behavior. You can't judge their choices. You can't judge their decisions because judge not lest ye be judged. And you girls or guys, too. But, you know, you should marry the first person who asks you or whoever asks you, right? You can... I can't believe that you would judge someone by the way they smell and their character. I mean, how would you, how do you, how do you do that? It's so, you're so rude. I mean, just because the guy like picked his nose at dinner and did all kinds and told rude jokes and was really foul mouthed and had no character and no integrity and didn't love Jesus and was a Satan worshiper, they asked you, and how can you judge? You know, come on guys, I can't believe some of you. It's unreal, people you turn down. It's like, wow, how judgmental, right? And then uh, if the person that you end up marrying uh, abuses you, if he abuses you or she cheats on you, th- th- why are you getting angry? Well, I don't understand. So what, what, what is the big deal? They just chose to do something. Who are you to judge them? Who are you to judge their behavior and why, what they chose to do? So, if you think about it, the person who gets behind the wheel of the car, for example, and the person gets behind the wheel of the car who's drunk, they're drunk, get behind the wheel of the car, and kill a family member. Why would you press charges? All you really should say is, bummer. Gee, I wish that didn't happen to my relative. That's a shame. But you certainly can't pass judgment on that person what would you i don't understand why you would say that the person did something wrong or something bad or even something evil why how could you possibly say that see here's the thing there's it's not logical it's irrational to think this way not one person in this room can actually live out this worldview. not one person in this room would think this makes any biblical sense whatsoever but here's the deal the enemy has been successful in pushing believers further and further into the corner while they come out swinging we cower saying and doing whatever they while they come out they can do and say whatever they want but the moment you make a decision to say wait a second i'm not sure that's right they tell you to shut up you you shut up don't speak don't share your opinion don't share any discernment. Don't. Who are you to judge? And if you, if you dare, if you dare to open your mouth to anyone who does anything that you disagree with, if you dare, then you are a hater. You're a hater. You're a bigot, and you're an ignorant fool. You're a hating, bigoted, infant, I- I- an ignorant fool. Those are the words I've heard in the last two weeks. You're unbelievable. Now here, help me. Help Someone help me with this. Is that not being judgmental? When someone calls you those kinds of names, that, that's not judgmental? So judge not, but then you're saying that I shouldn't judge, but then you spend most of your life judging and calling people names, and I'm not supposed to do that. See, most often those who do not like, who say, they, they say, don't judge me, the reason they're saying that is because they want to continue to do what they want to do, and they don't want anyone to tell them and make them feel convicted about what they're doing. They don't want to feel any kind of shame or any kind of conviction, and conviction in their hearts. They don't, they don't want to feel that way, so they want to silence everyone who would say anything that would stop them from doing what they are choosing to do, Any anything, Whatever it is, you pick a subject, whatever they want to do, if they want you to not talk about it because they, they will feel guilty or they'll feel convicted. And what we, what we really, what God really wants to do is to feel that conviction. They don't want to reap the consequences of their sin. They don't want to reap the consequences of their behavior, of their sin. Yes, I use the word sin because that's what it is. That's what the Bible says. The Bible calls it A sin. Now they they will tell us not to judge any kind of any kind of behavior. You pick the behavior. Don't judge it. Stealing, lying, cheating, whatever it is, whatever whatever behavior they're engaged in. They tell you not to judge that behavior. And to, but here's the thing when it when it affects them all bets are off the tune changes completely the moment something negative affects them they don't want to live in that world anymore here's the thing about being a christian and this is not just this is not just as a pastor even before i was a pastor before i knew christ okay a christian worldview makes sense and you can live within your christian worldview I believe that when someone does something harmful to themselves or others, that I will make a judgment and say to them, Hey, I love you, that is going to harm you. I'm within my worldview. People running around saying, judge not, lest you be judged. No one should judge anything. No one should say anything. Everyone should just live and let live and not tell anybody else. They don't and can't live in that worldview. They can't live there. And they don't live there. They only live there when it comes to telling you what you should say and what you shouldn't say. Here's why it is not hateful to tell someone, to confront someone in love when they're doing something wrong. Here's why it is not hateful to do that. Because they are walking away from the will and purpose of God for their lives. They're walking away from God. They're walking away from God in this life and they're jeopardizing their eternal life. They're jeopardizing their eternal destiny. How is it not loving to tell someone if their house is on fire, that their house is on fire? How is it not loving if someone is doing something that's killing themselves to say to them, hey, you need to stop that and here's why. I love you so much. I don't want to see this happen to you. How is it loving to ignore them, to ignore the elephant in the room? Everybody walks around and says, oh, not my business. Instead of sitting down with someone and saying, hey, I'm not sure how you're gonna take this, but it's coming from a heart of love. I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm not saying that I've got it all together, but I love you enough to tell you that that behavior is going to harm yourself and it's going to harm people around you. A loving, caring person will judge all situations according to the word of God and call people to repentance. I know all these words are like politically incorrect. I'm sorry. I don't care. I don't. I really don't care that's what Jesus Christ came to do, that's what he calls us to do, to love and care people enough to call them to repentance, I heard a a conservative national figure, a couple last week, get on TV, and I I, I just was like losing my, my mind, and he said that Jesus did not, Jesus did not judge the woman caught in adultery, he said he wasn't judging. He never judged. He just never judged. He didn't judge. He, he, just, he just influenced. He, he influenced them. Because he would never do something so evil as to judge. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, that's insane. That's ridiculous. He judged every person in that story. Every one of them. Starting with the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Hey, Jesus, should we stone this woman, the law, this? And Jesus sat there writing in the sand. What does he do? Hey, you without the first sin, number one, he said sin. You who are without sin cast the first stone. So he's basically calling them sinners, okay? And then after the smart, the older ones first, I love it too. The older ones drop and they leave first because they're smarter than everybody else. And the younger ones hang out there for a little while seeing if they can think their way through it. They can't, then they leave. Then he turns to the woman caught in adultery and he says this, go now and leave your life of sin he called her a sinner. He said, basically, what you're doing is wrong. Stop it and repent. Stop what you're doing and repent. Jesus called people to repentance. If they responded, everything was good, man. It was cool. It was great. Kumbaya time. If they didn't, okay, you had some trouble. I want you to think about this. This is. I want you to if, get this. Get this uh, CD. The, the the CD after the sermon and listen to this because you need to be able to talk to people about this. Jesus Christ confronted people in their sin. He wanted to bring them to repentance. The reason people get confused is because they read about Jesus and they t- talk about the tax collectors and prostitutes and all these people and they said, "How can you sit with those sinners?" And how can you? Here's 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 what's happening here. Jesus Christ confront someone like a prostitute in their sin most of the time didn't even need to confront them just the fact of he is who he was he is god okay they come crawling to him on their hands and knees weeping on his feet and wiping his feet with their hair okay jesus christ being who he is his goal is to bring people to repentance okay and into the kingdom of god once you've repented what's the issue the Pharisees and Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders of the time, they didn't care about repentance. That person's a prostitute. They're done. They're, they're done. It's over for them. Their lives are over. No, There's no way to redeem them. Jesus Christ came to redeem people. When the prostitutes, the tax collectors, and those who were sinners came to Christ and he confronted them in their sin, they repented. There's nothing more to say except for welcome to the kingdom of God, Right? That's what, and they say, how great, wasn't he sweet? Wasn't he just all love? Jesus was love and nothing but love. Jesus was nothing but love. But in his love, he loved the Pharisees and Sadducees too. That's why he called them, you whitewashed tombs, you brood of vipers. He's shaking them out of their arrogance, their spiritual arrogance and saying, you need me. You need to repent. You're a worse sinner than the prostitute. You're a worse sinner than the tax collector. You just don't see it. And so here, here's what Jesus said, okay? If you want to wash all the thoughts of Jesus would never say anything to bother anyone, and if he never said anything to bother anyone, why did they constantly pick up stones to stone him? And why did they crucify him? And why did he say they hate you because they hated me first? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 13 through 15. What sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell that you yourselves are. I didn't make that up. That's what he said. But he didn't really mean hell. And he was smiling when he said it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, he loved them. See, this is the culture. No, if anybody says that, they can't. They, they, that's mean. That's mean. You're a hater. You hate them No, it's loving. He loves them. He's saying to them, if some, of your kid's running into the street, do you go, Johnny, Johnny boy, come over here? Do you do that? You scream, Get out of the street! Get it, no, watch out! You run. You scream. I go, Whoa, 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 whoa! My family always bust me because I'm always going, whoa, 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 instead of just saying, hey, don't grab that knife. I'm always going, whoa, and they, they hear my woes. Everybody runs to see what's going on. You say, whoa, whoa, Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I love my grandkids. One of my grandkids, it's the, you know you do the dishes in the dishwasher, and there was a big cleaver in there, you know, for Thanksgiving, and he grabs the big cleaver out of there, and I'm like, whoa, 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 and I'm grabbing his hand. Just let the kid have the knife. Who am I to judge? come on what's he gonna do no i love him enough to go whoa 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 okay because i love him and i don't want to see him hurt and that's what jesus christ was like he wasn't some he wasn't some. people like to paint a picture of jesus floating around the desert and throwing flowers to everyone oh everyone loves jesus he's just so wonderful he never says anything that bothers anyone if you if you think that you've never read the bible never they crucified him They constantly picked up stones to stone him because he was constantly saying and doing things that were saying, I love you, repent. I love you, come to know me. And if you don't, I'm going to, I'm going to, do say whatever I need to say and do whatever I need to do because I am God to bring you to repentance. Don't let the world tell you who Jesus is and who Jesus was. Do not let them tell you that this is the same man who made a whip and turned over all those tables and chased everyone out of the temple court. Why? because he loved God and they were sinning and he was going to point it out in their lives. The church has become intimidated by the opinions of this world as they scream at you, you intolerant religious bigots. But please help me, is that not judgmental? How is that not judging someone else? I disagree with you. Well, therefore, you talk about hating you talk about hating someone the kind of language that's used if you disagree with someone in this culture is 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 so hateful it's unreal you can lovingly say i disagree and the response back is not loving it is hateful it is mean-spirited but but we are intimidated because we're called that and no one wants to be called anything like that so everybody just kind of backs off God clearly commands us to judge, to discern, so that we will not be deceived. So why is it then that our culture is so consumed and so, so vehemently opposed to being, being discerning or judging? Well, let me, let me tell you why. Um, obviously, if believers stop judging, if we stop, if you guys stop discerning, if you stop judging, if you stop using your common sense, then you will no longer be able to distinguish be, distinguish right from wrong, good from evil. And that is the end game. I told you this once before, and I'm going to tell you it again. And if you want to know what I'm thinking, you come to me a different time because I'm not going to say it in front of all the kids. But this is not the end game. The end game is to tell you to stop th- stop being Uh, stop knowing right from wrong good from evil so it waters you down it numbs you you become you become callous to what's going on around you because what's coming next is hideous compared to what's happening now what's coming next is far worse you need to be numb you need to be told to shut up, to mind your own business, to not care, to not judge, to leave everyone alone and do what they want to do because what's coming next, my friends, is far worse than what we're dealing with right now. It is a plan and it is being calculated and it's being pulled off. And here's how you know when you're starting to get pulled in. You know the word of God, but you say things like, well, gee, what I think or what, what, what I feel is the culture wants you to submit to the politically correct idea of moral relativism. My truth is my truth because I believe it and your truth is your truth because you believe it. I say I believe this and you believe the opposite. But you know what? We're both right. I, I know you believe this one and, and you, but it's, it's a contradictory to what I believe and it's, and, but, but we're both right. I mean, don't you just want to grab the hand of the person next to you, get goosebumps and sing, all we are saying is give peace a chance. I mean, don't you want to just, don't you feel just like bursting out in, in song? I would love to, but there's only one thing that stops me. It's this pesky thing called reason and logic. Logic states that a truth's opposite cannot also be true. That wall cannot be, I'm not sure exactly what color it is, that wall cannot be white, And black at the same time. If you say the wall is white and I say the wall is black, one of us is wrong. The truth's opposite cannot also be true. So again, you buy into this, you're buying into an illogical world, an unreasonable, a world that's not rational or logical or reasonable or real. It sounds nice. Let Live and let let, let anybody do anything they want and don't tell them that what they're doing is wrong. It sounds nice, but it is the most dangerous thing that you can possibly agree with. Let me be clear. Let me be really, really clear. My truth is my truth because God said it. Not because of what what I think and what I feel about certain things are irrelevant. What Jeff Greer's opinion is of certain things, when the word of God has spoken my truth is my truth because god said it my opinion my feelings on the subject are irrelevant to the subject what god says is relevant what i think is irrelevant that's what, that's what being a remnant is all about. God's word is true. We hold to the word of God. Now let's look at that famous verse. It's a, we're a little long. Give me, give me a couple minutes here and I'll close this off. Let me look at the, let's look at this verse, this famous verse that's so misquoted and put it in proper context. If we are intellectually honest here, then what we're going to find out is this verse not only tells us not to judge, but to judge. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, it says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now listen to what it says. It keeps going on. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust, the fault, the sin, in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? A plank is much bigger than sawdust. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Both have faults. Both are in sin. But what the Bible saying is, hey, deal with the sin in your own life first. Deal with your own faults, your own issues first. Then you'll be able to see clearly to help your brother, to help them, to help them walk away from the difficulty they're in. That's what it's saying. What Jesus is telling us here is to judge righteously, to not be hypocritical, to, be, to, be, to have gentleness and careful consideration when, we're, when, we're, when we are judging, to, take, to be really careful in our consideration. Matthew 7 commands us, when it commands us not to judge, it means don't be judgmental. Don't be judgmental. Don't have a critical spirit. Don't don't be con, don't have a condemning attitude. The goal, like Christ, is for us to bring people to conviction, to let the Holy Spirit speak to their hearts, to point out things that may be harmful to them. Not to have a, not to have a critical spirit in a terrible attitude. It means when it means when it says don't pass judgment, it also means, hey, before you start looking at everybody else around you, focus on your own issues. Deal with yourself. Deal with the sin in your life. Don't, don't tell someone not to do something and be doing the exact same thing they're doing. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 2, it says this. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemned yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things jesus here is referring to the judgmental attitude that focuses on someone else's faults and issues and seeks to tear them down that's what he's talking about he's talking about how people want to tear other people down how they look for all kinds of issues in your life they seek out your sins your faults your struggles your past or whatever else and then they try to come along and be judgmental in your life he's saying that's not what i want you to do that's negative that is a destructive attitude It's a destructive attitude. The people where he's talking about enjoy focusing on other people and completely not focusing on themselves and not trying to lead people into a relationship with Christ. I mean, Jesus said it clearly in John chapter 12 and verse 47. I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The judging Jesus is talking about is a condemnation, a judgmental condemnation that focuses on other people's sins and is not trying to help them or lift them up or bring them out of it. That's what it's all about, loving them into the kingdom of God. When you judge another person with a condemning attitude, it's basically the opposite condemnation in that way is the opposite of saving and leading people to christ and helping people overcome the challenges that they face in their lives again when jesus says don't judge he's not asking you to surrender your discernment you can see the difference He's not asking you to surrender your discernment. He's not asking you to turn a blind eye to, 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 and pretend that there's nothing going on around you when it's destroying the church or destroying someone else's life. I mean, how is it loving to allow people to go down a road that is going to destroy their life? If someone is drinking themselves to death, it is loving to confront them, to confront them in love to be patient and sit down and point out how it's going to kill them and it's going to hurt the people around them. That is the loving thing to do. The Bible requires us to discern between truth and falsehood, between goodness and evil. The verses that come right after, very quickly, the verses that come right after this, verse 6 and verse 15, as it goes through this, they basically tell us that we have to watch out for um, casting our pearls before swine, and offering what is holy to dogs references and then in verse 15 it basically says that you should watch out for false prophets in order for us to do that we have to use our discernment and our judgment so the verse is right in the context right after this verse says that you have to judge and use your discernment in order to obey what god is asking you to do God's not going to contradict himself. It all flows together. As Christians, we are responsible to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot lead someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ unless you speak the truth to them in love, unless you're loving and compassionate and have the courage to do it. Proverbs 27, 5 says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Isn't that true? Better is open rebuke then hidden love so many times there are family gatherings at christmas and new year's there's something happening and everybody just lets the elephant in the room stay there and there, no one wants to talk about it no one wants to deal with it the most loving thing to do is at some point in that person's life one-on-one to go to them and point it out help them save them lead them to jesus christ see god jesus christ condemns he condemns heartless hypocrisy Not. He doesn't condemn honest, life giving words that lead to repentance and salvation. Why would he do that? He would condemn himself. He doesn't condemn that. He says, That's what I want you to do. I want you to follow my example of love and point this out to people who need me so desperately. It is God's job to set the standard and to pass judgment. It is our responsibility to repeat what God says to tell people what Jesus Christ has already said. Deciding for yourself what you will and will not obey, deciding for yourself what parts of scripture you think are okay and what you think is right and what you think is wrong, not only puts you in judgment over other people, it puts you in judgment over God himself. The people who scream judge not lest ye be judged and attack what the word of God said are putting themselves over God himself. That is the ultimate, ultimate being judgmental. To put yourself in in a position over God himself. He calls us to love others. How can you love someone if you won't have the courage and the compassion to tell them when they're doing something that's leading them to a place where they will be harmed? And anything that takes you away from God's will, purpose, and call for your life will be harmful. Listen, here's the last thing I'm going to say. Jesus calls us to use discernment. But, he, it, but when we use discernment, he wants us to do it in such a way that we show humility. There's not shaking your fist and pointing fingers and telling I'm better than you and you wish you could be like me. No. If we're going to, if we're going to use discernment in someone else's life, we need to show humility. We need to show honesty. And most of all, first and foremost, we need to show love to that person. Make sure you understand the word of God so when these things happen around you, you just don't shake your head and go along. That's not what the Bible teaches. What I explained to you is what Jesus Christ meant by that. Go into the world and express God's love to everyone you see around you. And if that means sometimes you need to discern or need to judge in order to bring them to conviction and repentance so they can spend an eternity with God, then so be it. That's what you need to do. That's what you're called to do. Let's pray. Father God, we love you with all of our hearts. And God, I know this is difficult. I know it's challenging. But Father, you've called us to love people with your love. To show compassion to them with your compassion. To have mercy. Lord God, to lead them closer to you. We can't do that unless we have the courage to discern, unless we have the courage in love to point out first and foremost in our own lives areas that we need to change, but then to point out in other people's lives areas that they need to change so they can become more like you. Give us the humility, Lord, to do it. Give us the honesty to do it. And most of all, give us the love for those people to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. Happy New Year.